Good evening. Or, actually, this is probably the morning when you're listening to this. But hello, Royal Deluxe Faithful. You're listening to me witness a moment in history. The Minnesota Twins are throwing a no-hitter against the Kansas City Royals. Wow. I say the Minnesota Twins because the starting pitcher, Joe Ryan, was pulled after seven innings and 106 pitches, which you can be mad about and say, oh, he should have stayed in, he deserves to stay in. But look, you're at 106 pitches. It's a fairly young pitcher. Um, it's, uh, I was about to say something. I ha- I just, like, had a stroke mid-sentence. What was I just saying? It's 106 pitches. It's a fairly young pitcher. And also, most importantly, you're, you're, you're like, four games out of a playoff spot. Like, even though the, the, the Twins are a game below 500, there are four or less than five games out of five, uh, uh, out of winning the division, so... You know, you got to just, like, ignore the player accomplishments and focus on the team right now. Bobby Wood Jr. is up to, up to the plate. He made contact but fouled it. It is one out in the ninth. It is a 6-0 to zero game. Evidently, in case you were wondering, the Twins are the team with six runs, not the Royals. Although the Royals do have, so far, four walks. They actually came into this inning with two walks, and Giovanni Moran, I believe the Twins' closer... Who actually knows who the Twins' closer is? Do the Twins have a closer? I don't know. Feels like they change closers every month. But uh, he walked two guys. Hunter Dozier came out to pinch hit. And Giovanni Moran's like, No, I don't want this guy's suck jeans on me. and that, I'm going to get them on me. Or I'm, I'm going to be at risk of getting them on me if I pitch near this guy. So I'm just going to walk him. I don't want to suck like Hunter Dozier. Who, you know, he's unvaccinated. So he... Doesn't, he didn't protect himself against the suck virus. The the thing that makes him suck. I don't know if he actually has that. I was just making a joke. Bobby Wood Jr. fouls off an 0-2 pitch. I don't really know why he tried doing that. That was clearly a ball, but whatever. Moran gets set. The pitch It's well outside. Ball one. He tried, he tried throwing the same pitch, thinking that Bobby would make the same exact swing, and he knew better this time. It was worth a shot, though. Excuse me. I just, uh, I woke up, like, just uh, ten minutes ago or so. And Bobby makes contact, and that ball is down into left field. Oh, that will be a double. That's going to score a run. Oh, no hitter lost. No hitter lost. Scoreless game lost. Joe Ryan is not pleased. Looking very disappointed. He's thinking like, who's this guy? Giovanni Moran? More like Giovanni Moron. What is this? Nonsense. Bobby went from swinging at absolute garbage to uh, getting a nice... Easy pitch to hit. Just right up there at chest level. He loves those. Aw, oh, you freaking moron. 
Can't do that to Bobby. So the Royals avoid the no-hitter. You actually are not listening to a piece of history. You're just listening to some weirdo on the internet uh, commentate over a pretty normal game. So uh, I guess I will just get back to regular format after I, uh, you know, like get myself ready because again, I like I just woke up. It's not every day that you wake up and uh, you check Twitter and you see the MLB account say Joe Ryan has a no hitter through seven innings. Because you're like, huh, that's crazy. The Royals are playing a guy named Joe Ryan, too. What are the odds that there would be two pitchers in MLB named Joe Ryan? Oh, wait, there, there's just one of them. Oh, oh, okay, I see what's going on now. Oh, wait, I, I literally just paused the recording, and then Sebastian Rivero, who I didn't even know was here, by the way, just laid down a bunt. And it scored a run. It didn't, it didn't even record an out. <laughs> a bunt infield single. Royals down 6-2. to two. You know what? You know what? Say what you will. This is actually pretty cool. Like, we, we talk about the Royals and how these young hitters, they're going to struggle a bit. But what's important is that they, they try. What's important is that they get these opportunities as Vinny Pasquantino steps up to the plate. He is 0 for 3. And he hits one low, and that is going to... Oh, nope, didn't reach the gap. It is an out to center field, but it will still score Bobby Wood Jr. from third. So the Royals are losing a fairly respectable 6-3 to three now, as opposed to 6 to nothing and a no-hit. So the Twins built up a nice, cushy lead that allows them to have this kind of small disaster in the ninth inning. Anyway, we're talking about these hitters. They're going to struggle, right? And that's just that's just part of the process. That's part of the expectation of them being in the major leagues. That you're not going to get all these hitters, you know, producing an amazing lineup right off the bat. There's going to be some problems. So here's Nick Prado, up to the plate. He hits a pitch in the middle. It's fouled off. But what's important is that they, they, they try, and even even with their backs against the wall like this, they actually just came up and were like, Nah, man, we're not going to let you do this to us. We, we're, we're a little better than that. And they, uh, they actually punished the Twins, I would say maybe for being a little bit careless. This guy Moran, was he just didn't have it at all. Well, I don't, I don't even know if he didn't have it necessarily. I think the Royals were able to take some good takes. Particularly, MJ Melendez took some really, really good pitches to get that walk. But basically, it, it, it you know we didn't make it so easy for them. I still believe this is a a strong lineup that is simply in development. It is a work in progress right now. As Nick Prado takes ball two inside, see that that's that's a pitch. That the Royals would have hit last year. I don't know who specifically would have hit it, but like just in general, you don't see the Royals take that pitch very often. Pitch inside, Nick kind of uh, reels his bat in, but it makes contact, so it's fouled to the back. Kind of an accident foul ball happens. Whatever, it's not a big deal. So the fact that the Royals are still able to, 
you know, manufacture runs even when they have so little to work with. Like, that, that to me is a sign that this lineup is going to be all right. And Nick Prado swings and misses at strike three, so the game is now over. But you know what? Good fight from the boys. They won, they won the ninth inning, <laughs> which means nothing, obviously. But, you know, it's kind of like what I said with Brady Singer and how he would have some mediocre starts. Sometimes you look at the, the, the negatives, you look at the, I guess, failures, and sometimes those can actually be more encouraging than the successes because we know what this lineup can do when it hits. When this lineup is on, it is freaking on. Like, it is, a, it is a wildfire. When it's off, you're going to get a day like this where, okay, they got no hit for eight innings. But in the ninth inning, they drew... Drew a few walks, got a couple of hits, and scored a few runs. They actually got something going here in the ninth inning, despite getting no hit for eight innings. So, that's that, that's kind of a, a really interesting way of looking at this game. You can look at it two different ways. You can say, well, the Royals got no hit through eight innings. But, okay, they, they scored three runs. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, t- I'll take that at the very end. Like, yeah, the Royals got no hit for eight innings. They still scored three runs. How many teams are going to get almost no hit and score three? Score any runs at, at, at that? I think that was a, a really nice showing from uh, from the Royals hitters. From MJ Melendez and Bob Witt Jr. and Sebastian Rivera. Like, I, I didn't even realize Sebastian Rivera was here. Is, is something wrong with Salvi? Or are we just going with three catchers? I haven't looked at anything. No, Salvi was in the lineup today. He was starting today, right? Yeah. He's 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 fine, right? <laughs> it's just unfortunate that this game came right after the shitway series that we had over the weekend. You know how when the Yankees and Mets play each other, they call that the Subway series? Well, I call the Tigers and Royals playing each other the shitway series, which could mean the same thing if you're thinking of Subway as the sandwich place, which I think is pretty shit. However, all the same. We had a three-game series against the Tigers. We lost two of them, and those two losses were just just absolute turd sandwiches that we had. I mean, just... 10 or 8 run score. Like, we got outscored. I don't remember what the score was. But two games, we combined 18 runs given up. And that's just awful. Like, that's just sad, really. Like, winning and losing doesn't matter at this point. It it really doesn't. I'm kind of in this nihilist phase where, you know, I was saying wins and losses don't mean anything to kind of be nice to the rookies. But at the same time, I'm also flipping it the other way where it's like, yeah, I could see the Royals winning 10 of the next 20 games because that's how many we have left, I believe. And we'll finish with, what, a 67-95 and 95 record? Like, what does that matter? Who, who cares? <laughs> who cares if we win any more games? Who cares if we avoid a 100-loss season? Like, sure, I guess it's better to not lose 100 games, but again... What does it matter? We weren't even supposed to lose 90 games this season, and that's like a that's a given at this point. So I'm in that nihilist phase where winning, winning and losing doesn't matter, but still losing by a lot 
isn't a great thing. How we lose is still going to be important because you don't just give up 10 runs in a game to the worst lineup that you're going to face all year. I think the Marlins have a worst lineup. They have the worst lineup overall. But the Tigers have to have the second worst lineup. I really don't know who has a worst a worse lineup than Detroit this season. Um, at the very least, like in the American League. At the very least, like any team that the Royals are facing, the Tigers have to have the worst lineup. Again, we were talking about this like not too long ago. Like Javi Baez is technically like their best hitter by war. I think Riley Green was leading the team with a 102 OPS plus. Like, come on. They they barely even have average hitters. How do you give up 10 runs to these dudes? But Royals found a way. The one game that we did win was the game that Brady Singer started. He went seven scoreless innings, so it's nice that we had some return to normalcy. It's nice that we have some kind of, a, I guess, a win condition where, you know, there's one day where it's like, all right, at least we have a good chance of winning this one, and it's the days that Brady Singer's on the mound. It's nice that he had a nice, pretty dominant start um, given that he's had a couple of bad or mediocre starts recently. So it's nice that he uh, had a bounce-back start, even if it is, you know, against a really, really poor lineup. But hey, I don't know. That lineup also scored 18 runs in the past two games. So I guess he went against a bad lineup that was doing pretty well. It was a hot lineup. So nice that he could quiet them down and return to some normalcy and give a little bit of a confidence boost to the Royals faithful. So to talk about all of that wonderful pitching that we have, something happened literally right after me and Jacob recorded the episode that came out on Friday. We recorded that on Thursday evening, and I swear, like, the moment I checked Twitter after recording that episode, Royals Farm Report, um, well, they, they didn't announce anything. They just point out that Jason Simontacci, who is the... Can, who is the organizational pitching coordinator. So basically, you know, like we talk about Drew Saylor all the time being the hitting coordinator, the guy who like oversees the hitting development across the Royals organization, particularly in the minor leagues. Okay, so this is the equivalent of that. Jason Simontacci, that's who he is. He announced that he will not be back with the club next season. Royals Farm found out that he has said on he posted on his LinkedIn that his time with the Royals are finished. As he said, as Jason says on LinkedIn, my days with the Casey Royals are finished. I was blessed to work alongside great people for five years and very thankful for that opportunity. God is great, and I'm excited to see what he has in store for me in the future. So um yeah, so that's the guy who's basically you, you know, he is our, he, 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 he's the guy that we are dependent on for pitching development, most of all within the Royals. Again, particularly in the minor leagues. And it, Royals Farm has been talking about the Royals pitching in the minor leagues, comparing them to the, hit, the hitters in 2019. If you remember where the Royals were at in 2019 with their farm system, their pitching was actually like not too bad because th this was the first full season we got with Singer and Bubich and Kowar and Lynch, etc., etc., and they were looking all right. However, the hitting 
was awful. You know, they they had pointed out that there were, I think, fewer than 10 hitters that were league average in terms of OPS plus or weighted runs created plus. Yeah, the Royals had, I think, like eight hitters total, which, bear in mind, this was back when we still had rookie ball leagues. So nowadays we have four minor leagues, uh, minor league teams, the low A and high A and double A and triple A teams. Back then we had obviously those four, but also two rookie ball teams. So across, so with even more players in our system, we had fewer than 10 average or better hitters across the entire system. We basically had one per team, maybe two if you were lucky enough. And that is sad. And it's especially sad given that 2018 was a pretty interesting interesting and exciting year for Royals prospects. Because, you know, obviously after 2017, our, our farm system was completely barren. We used up everybody, right? But then 2018, the Lexington single-A team that we had was pretty exciting with Nick Prado. This was his first full season. MJ Melendez, his first full season as well. And Suli Matias, who I think was a, an international league guy. This might have been his first full season professionally as well. And these three together won a championship at the single-A level for the Lexington Legends. And sure, they weren't like perfect prospects. They were all considered to be very high risk, but also very high upside guys. They did have some major problems with inconsistencies and stuff like that. They just had issues overall. That's like they they had they were very much works in progress. Lots needed to happen if they were going to actually pan out. But still, the results were showing. They were there. They showed the potential. They showed like what this um, could eventually be. Even back then, like, Dayton Moore was saying, like, yeah, this is going to be the next core. Like, these three guys, this is going to be just like 2015 all over again. Because the way they were developing them was, like, the same philosophy they were using for the 2015 guys. Like, they're all going to play at the same level. They're all going to win together. They're going to compete together. They're going to do that all the way to the major leagues. And 2019 happened. And smacked them all across the face. Nick Prado had a horrible season. To the point where he was practically dropped from prospect lists. Like, not even, like, not just dropping ranks, but, like, wasn't even considered a prospect, almost. Because it was just so awful that the upside wasn't even worth it anymore. MJ Melendez was barely hanging in there. Just because he was a catcher, basically. Because his season was also just Horrible. Suli Matias, horrible season. Once again, hardly considered a prospect, only hanging on because his power potential was up there, because he still had some numbers that were basically identical to like Joey Gallo and Giancarlo Stanton when they were in the minors. But that was a horrible, horrible season for our biggest prospects, and it wasn't much better for really anyone else. In the entire organization. Again, fewer than 10 hitters were league average or better. So, what happened after that? What happened after 2019? Well, the Royals threw out the, the coaching staff or whoever it was. They threw out their development staff. They brought in Drew Saylor, who I believe was 
like a hitting coach in the Dodgers organization or something of the sort. Um, Alex Zumwalt has like always been here, but I guess they gave him more of a role in hitting development. I think Mike Tosar came in as well. They they read they redid their entire staff. They redid their entire philosophy in how to teach hitters how to hit and look at the results. Look at the results. Those guys I was just saying, MJ Melendez and Nick Prado, who were practically dead in the water, dead before even reaching the, the major leagues, suddenly become top 100 prospects. Suli Matias, unfortunately, not going to work out, but he was always kind of a, a, a different, very, very unique prospect, basically. And he is still around, for what it's worth. I think he is still in the organization. And there is still some expectation that, like, you know, maybe a team will rule five him and then he'll have, like, a two-week... Uh, crushing spree like Aristides Aquino or something like that, which could be fun. Probably not something the Royals are interested in, though, unfortunately. But now, like, even to this day, you're even with all of our top prospects graduating, with, you know, Pasquantino graduating, who, who also, mind you, Pasquantino came out of nowhere. He, came, he became a top 100 prospect, and he was like a, a, an 11th rounder or something like that. Like, literally came out of freaking nowhere. And he's so good. He's arguably, he can be arguably the best hitter in this Royals lineup, basically. Um, and, you know, Bobby Wood Jr. becoming the number one prospect in baseball. You know, all because of Sailor and, and the guys that he brought in and the new philosophies, the new, thing, the new things that they were teaching, basically. Look how Drew Waters turned around when he came to the Royals organization. And to this day, you're still seeing this happen with younger guys, with... You know, we still have prospects who are showing that they can really, really hit, like Tyler Gentry and um, Nick Lofton and Carter Jensen. You know, there are guys that are just getting better and better at hitting in this organization. So, you have to wonder, we're kind of in the same position with pitching in this organization. That's what Royals Farm has basically been saying. The pitching this season in the minor leagues, it's very much like the hitting was in 2019. Because you look at the pitchers, like the guys with the highest upside are the ones who are the most disappointing. Uh, Alec Marsh, Asa Lacey, um, Jonathan Bolin, you know, all these guys, they are just not hitting. You know, like at best, our biggest hope are the guys that are the furthest away. Ben Kaderna, I think, is, you know, maybe the best pitcher in this organization. But unfortunately, you know, he, he's a high school guy who's still a long way to go. And that's not a good thing. You don't want that to be your best pitcher. Unless he was, like, an otherworldly talent, talent, which, you know, I guess he could be. But Asa Lacey is supposed to be an otherworldly talent. Asa Lacey was the number four overall pick. And we were actually lucky to get him. You can, you can say it's a bad pick or whatever. I don't believe in that. I think that there are good picks and then bad development. All right. Back in that 2020 draft, Asa Lacey was actually considered to be a number one guy. The, the, like people were saying, you can draft Asa Lacey number one overall, and it won't be like, like you won't be laughed at for it, basically. Now, obviously, that didn't happen. And the Marlins, who drafted ahead of us, they skipped over him. But it, it was a very, very respectable pick, anywhere in the top five, getting Asa Lazy. So the Royals getting him was a was a really nice get. That was the pick they should have gotten. He was the best guy that was available to them. I like that pick. 
if he doesn't develop, if, if you know, he's a prospect bust, I don't think it's going to be, like, Lonnie Goldberg's fault for drafting him, basically. Because Asa Lacey does have otherworldly talent. He has top 1% stuff in the entire world. It's just that the Royals have no idea what to do with him. They have absolutely, like, there's nothing suggesting he's injured. It's just, like, he's super weirdly inconsistent. It's just so, like, his issues are so severe and so numerous. Even though the potential and the upside is still there, I don't know. The Royals just seriously have no idea what they're doing with Asa Lacey. And that's a huge problem. That's a huge issue. You, you cannot miss this hard on a pick that high, basically. He at least has to be a reliever. And they are trying to, you know, they have moved him to the bullpen, at least temporarily. He's not pitching well e there either. Like, they, like there are no, whatever solutions they've tried, they, they're they not working. And that's a huge, huge issue. And that's just, you know, one example. Probably the biggest example of why our pitching development is bad, but... Just one. Again, we don't have a lot of guys in this organization who are pitching well anywhere. And so, that leads us to now where our head of pitching development is now gone. I don't know if the Royals fired him, or if he resigned, or if it's just an expiring contract that the Royals have decided to not renew. All of these are very possible, but it does suggest that change is coming. And it does suggest that the Royals are at least, you know, finally willing to admit that maybe they're uh, not have they're they're not off to the brightest future. That where they're going is um not anywhere good, basically. They're kind of uh, going nowhere in slow motion. That's kind of the way to describe the Royals. You ever hear about how Someone is going nowhere fast. The Royals are going nowhere slowly, because we have been going nowhere slowly. We've been in the same place for the last five years. And if that's going to change, then it's probably going to have to uh, happen with the pitching development. And that could be a really... I mean, depending on who they get in. I, like, someone asked this on, at one point on, on, like, the Casey, on the Casey Royals subreddit. They were like, oh, you think Dayton Moore's... So bad, well, who do you want to replace him? And it's like, well, I don't know. It's not like... Like, I mean, I can say our starting rotation is bad and then name 15 pitchers that we can get in free agency next season because they're all just on a list somewhere on the internet. You don't have that for general managers and you don't have that for pitching developers or whatever you want to call them. Pitching coaches, basically. You know? And that's kind of the thing with uh, this. It's like, we, we can say our... Pitching development is bad, but it's like, okay, well, what do we do about that? I don't know, dude. I don't have the information about this. This is why this is why I don't run a baseball team. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. I don't have, like, names off the top of my head that will be like, oh, yeah, this guy's going to change the organization around. But I at least can tell you that whoever is in charge is not doing a very good job, and we should probably change that. And it does look like maybe the Royals are doing that. And you have to wonder... If the Royals are going to make their make the big minor league change that they are making right now, could that happen at the major league level as well? Could they finally heed everyone's calls to fire Cal Eldred? Could that happen? It's possible. There's a still there's still a large possibility of Cal Eldred being here next season. 
because you have to just remember that the royals don't seem to follow normal logic. If something isn't going well, they're not going to be like a lot of other teams where they figure something out. They they go with plan B, C, D, E, F. No. They go with plan A, and they stick to plan A until they basically run out of it. That's what they do. So that's why they've had Cal Eldred all this time, because they just don't want to get rid of another guy. They don't like going out of their comfort zone. The Royals are a group of people, basically Dayton Moore and maybe everyone under him, they're a group of people who do care. All right, I don't want to say that they're, like, lazy, that they don't care, things like that. I, I think these are really bold statements, and they're just kind of mean-spirited. I think they do care. They care about winning, all right? They just want to win under their own terms. Like, they're going to win with Cal Eldred, and, and they will do anything they can to make that happen. They will win with Hunter Dozier because they just want to. Not because Hunter Dozier is a great player, just because they feel like they should. They want to. They like this guy, and they are going to stick with their guy until the bitter end. So that's why. That's a big difference between just being like, oh, they don't care about you know winning or whatever. Like, why would you even be in a competitive sport? Like, 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 what, what, why are you here if you don't care about winning? Basically, why would you be, why would you take any part of the, of a professional competitive sport if you genuinely don't care about success? Because that doesn't make any sense. If it was money, like if you just cared about the money, well, winning is a lot better, is a much better way of making money and you're not doing that either. So you're not good at that. So you can't be part of the Royals and say, well, we like money, so that's why we're staying here, because this team makes a lot of money. I mean, I'm sure it's, you know, profitable at the end of the day, given how, you know, MLB is and, you know, sponsorships, TV contracts, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, blah, 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 blah. I mean, have you seen how much they charge for Kauffman Stadium for a hot dog? <laughs> you know, it, it's a lot. So, sure, the team makes money, but probably not an incredible amount is what I'm saying. So, I think the Royals care. They they do. Just not in... They, they just don't like going out of their comfort zone, is what I'm saying. They care about each other, I think, more than that. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Does that make sense? Does any of this make sense? Probably not. I don't make a lot of sense a lot of the time. But hopefully you got something out of this. I just wanted to talk about that, because that's something that happened... Recently, and I haven't been able to talk about. I haven't heard anybody else talk about it yet. I've been a little bit out of it. Although I was also kind of avoiding some discussions, just so I get my point across. Because I didn't want to just say, be like, "Oh, hey, this person said this, and I'm gonna just say what they said, and you know, repurpose it and say and just agree with them." Yeah, because I I have to ha I have to use my own platform in my own way, right? Right. Well, anyway, yeah, all that happened, and it's like. There wasn't much to talk about in regards to baseball anyway. What else? What else is new with baseball? The hitters are all right, but pitching bad. Uh, we we almost got no hit, but then we didn't get no hit, and, and, and it looks like we had an okay game instead. So good job on that. Hopefully, uh, maybe we'll uh, do a little better next time. Today on Wednesday, it's Zach Greinke versus Sonny Gray pitching matchup of the ages. 
Nice to see Zach Greinke back, at least, because it seemed like he might have been injured or earlier or whatever, but I forgot if he started, like, last week or not. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, we'll talk about it when we get there. Until then, I'll uh, see you later. I'm going to spend the next uh, two days playing Splatoon 3, uh, which was already what I was doing in general. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the Royals on... What's the next day? Friday. That's when we're going to talk about them next. So we'll recap the next two games. And I don't know, anything else that might be interesting and worth talking about, we'll talk about it when we get there. And until then, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Deluxe Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Royal Deluxe Pod for more stupid nonsense. Or send me an email at royaldeluxepodcast at gmail.com. Tell me what you think about... What's going on with the Royals? Do you think that do you think that we're going to see a massive pitching development overhaul in the minor leagues kind of like what we saw with the hitters in 2019 or is it going to be more of the same? Does the firing or whatever happened to Simon Tachi not actually mean all that much and you know they're just going to get some other bozo who doesn't actually know how to pitch. I don't actually know. Maybe it's like, maybe Jason Simon Tachi does know how to pitch. I don't remember. I don't know who he is. Uh I'll stop. I'll give up. All right. Uh, See you later, everybody. Thank you very much for making this podcast a part of your day, and I hope you're having a good one. And um, I'm Lux. Go Royals.